0: wrong in this situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. Heart we used heart attack. Please. Managers on a Major League Baseball team, don't make decisions! Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the uh, Germans Bob Pearl Harbor? The castration of the Major League Baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about my win
1: James Harden dropped 45 points to lead the Philadelphia 76ers to a Game 1 win against the Boston Celtics. And a lot of people kind of look at it as a surprise, a shock. The Sixers, without their top player and legitimate MVP candidate Joel Embiid, were able to beat a Boston team at the the TD Garden with every one of the Boston players Able to play. Remember, one of the issues with the Boston Celtics, you don't know if you're going to get 100% of their talent all on a court at the same time. Every Boston player, significant player played, and Embiid was out, and the Sixers still pull off a win. A lot of people look at it like it's a surprise. It could be a surprise up to a certain point, but here's why it's not a surprise James Harden is what we are going to consider a lone wolf when it comes to the game of professional basketball. I'll explain why. We've spent so much time, really since the LeBron decision, when he decided to join Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh with the Miami Heat, that the best teams are going to have to accumulate the best stars. And this 2-3 to three star combo has worked in many different occasions. Look at the Warriors. The Warriors probably don't win the championships that they won without not only Steph Curry, but Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. Of course, they were even better when Kevin Garnett was there. I'm sorry, Kevin Durant was there. And they were out there winning championships that way. You know, LeBron and Wade and Bosh kind of set the standard of what we expect when we look at a legitimate championship caliber caliber NBA basketball team. Now, some players just don't fit that mold or fit that bill. James Harden, we could agree that he's played well this year, but James Harden really isn't giving you the best of what James Harden can give you. When he's teamed with Joel Embiid and you got guys like Tyrese Maxey and um, other players that are able to score, scoring is what James Harden does. And I'll look at it like this. You have, uh, let's say, 100 points are scored in an average NBA basketball team. We need to figure out the way to divvy these points up, right? I mean, if you have uh, three Allen Iversons or, let's say, three Michael Jordans, you know they're not all going to go out there and be able to score 30 a game. So when you have the stars that combined, like you saw With my example with LeBron and Wade and Bosh, and obviously later on with Durant joining Curry and Clay Thompson, there's only so many points you could score in a given game. Teams aren't going to score 200 points a night to accommodate the two or three big-time scorers that are on the court. James Harden's altered his game a little bit, and he's played well. I'm not going to take that away from him. What is James Harden at his best at? When he is the go-to elite scorer like he was with the Houston Rockets for all those years, good or bad. When Mike D'Antoni had that system where they were scoring all those points game in and game out, it was James Harden that was the alpha male on the court in regards to taking points. And some players are better off that way. So when I think of James Harden hitting free agency at the end of this year, I think it's going to be in his best interest to find a team that's going to use him as an alpha male type of scorer. Or maybe a Houston team or a team that's building now, maybe a couple stars in the future, that may not be ready to go out there and ball and score 30 points a game. That's what Harden needs to be doing. And that's why I'm not surprised that the 76ers beat the Boston Celtics in Game 1. Some people are going to look at it and say, hey, no Embiid. They were still able to beat Boston, so now it's going to be an easy series for Philadelphia. There are some dynamics that are going to get changed when Harden goes back to being the player that he was this entire season for the Philadelphia 76ers. And I hope that makes sense. Russell Westbrook's the same way. There's no coincidence that he went out there and balled and scored 30 points for the Los Angeles Clippers when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were out. Some players respond better when they're by themselves. Lone Wolves. Other players are able to adapt or change their game a little bit to be very helpful. Russell Westbrook wasn't helpful for the Los Angeles Lakers over the last year and a half. Without Kawhi, without Paul George, with the Clippers, he was able to kind of be more of himself. James Harden, without Joe Allen Bede, was able to be himself. That's why he carried the Philadelphia 76ers to a win over the Boston Celtics. And like I said... With Embiid and Harden, the match has worked so far, and I think Harden has done a very good job of adjusting his game to Embiid being the alpha male. Harden may be better when he's by himself. So the next thing that I wanted to bring up today, you know, think of the Chicago White Sox. They're off to a tough start. I think people already already bail on the Chicago White Sox of 2023, and. You know, if this was the Chicago media, the South Side of Chicago radio, uh, it would be discussed a little more in depth because obviously, you know, the more local you're at, the more people are saying, "Hey, what's up with the White Sox? Are they doing good? Are they going doing bad?" I, I only got one thing to say about the Chicago White Sox of 2023. So much emphasis has been put on Tony Larusa not being the right fit. Maybe being too old to be a Major League Baseball manager, that's probably a little bit of a different discussion. If we wanted to talk about LaRusse's age and his ability to adapt to the game, is he a perfect candidate to be a Major League Baseball manager right now? I think that's all worth talking about. But what I have continued to hear was that Tony La Russa in his two years as the manager of the Chicago White Sox was what was holding that organization down. There was talent in any in in uh, person of Tim Anderson and Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. Jose Abreu up through last year. Of course, he's not there now. He left as a free agent to join the Houston Astros. Dylan Cease was a Cy Young candidate last year. And the players were there for the White Sox to ball and win the American League Central Division last year, which they didn't do. And the easy scapegoat has been Tony La Russa up to this point. And I mentioned this in my team preview when it came to the Chicago White Sox this year. You're going to find out very quickly if the White Sox were held back because of Tony La Russa, or they were just flawed in nature by themselves. And I think we're starting to see the latter right now. And maybe the White Sox turn it around. I think their pitching's a little bit better than what we've seen so far. Of course, Liam Hendricks being out—you know, thank God that he's cancer-free. Hopefully, he ends up, you know, working his way back up. Could be a legitimate uh, have an have an impact on that roster going forward. Um, I wish him the best, obviously. But what we're starting to see is the White Sox were a flawed group of players, and. We we have so much of an issue from the media and from the fan standpoint. The last thing we want to do is blame the players, especially players that are making a lot of money and stats that are looking relatively decent. Tim Anderson when he's healthy is hitting his numbers. Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, you know, those guys are producing in regards to their baseball reference page and the back of their baseball cards so we don't want to be critical of the players and sometimes as we've spoken about the fit in regards to uh, players how they mesh well with themselves hey you can have the greatest locker room in the world but it might not be from a baseball or sports standpoint um, I don't know able to be maintained over the course of a long period of time. Sometimes the mix just isn't good. Sometimes the players individually are better than they are as a team. And I felt this for the last couple of years with the Chicago White Sox. Now, sometimes it gets proven wrong. Sometimes the talent overrides all that. If the players are that good and a guy crushes a baseball every time it's pitched or a pitcher goes out there and gives up one or zero runs every time they take the mound, then all that other bullshit that I'm talking to you about right now has no meaning and is not that important. We've seen examples of players that just perform to such a high level that you don't really talk about their cohesion and how they work together. Chicago White Sox brought in a new manager, and Pedro Grafal came over from the Kansas City Royals, has got a, a very good reputation. I think he's doing a good job in regards to his, um, his leadership, how he's treating the players, how the players are responding to him. But in the end, we're judged by one thing, wins and losses. So wins and losses are going to tell you to this point that Pedro, Pedro Grafal is not a good manager. The num- that's what the numbers are going to say. Because if you look at Tony La Russa over the last couple seasons, and the fact that the White Sox, in spite of all the issues they had last year and the year before, and all the scapegoating attempts while people were trying to blast and blame Tony La Russa for what's going on there, they still finished 81-81. and 81. So my opinion of what we're going to see, one of two things, either it's Tony La Russa's fault or it's the players' fault right now it's the player's fault. Before I jump into today's saving sports history, I wanted to mention a couple things about the New York Mets and a couple of the younger players they have in their minor league system. This is never going to be confused with a prospect uh, analysis show, so I'm not going to break down numbers in the minor leagues. I'm not going to tell you about um, who I watched play in a minor league game that you may not know about, but I think As you see in a lot of other markets and in regards to a lot of other teams in sports, there is a love fest involved with younger players, especially players that haven't come up to play in the major leagues yet. And the Mets have a couple of them that are down there in the minors right now playing at AAA. Mark Vientos is tearing it up at first base for them. And Ronnie Mauricio, who has not played in the major leagues, Vientos played in the major leagues a little bit last year towards the end of the year. Uh, They're both killing it for AAA. The Mets fan says, hey, I want these players up. I want them part of the regular lineup. And I'm going to explain to you why they're probably best suited in the positions that they're in right now, playing regularly in AAA. Now, if you look at their positions, their primary positions, Vientos is a first baseman. The Mets' first baseman is obviously Pete Alonso. Mauricio is a shortstop. The Mets' shortstop is Francisco Lindor. Neither of those players will ever unseat the incumbents based based off of the talent of the players that have been there for a long time. Obviously, I'm not breaking any ground with that. The thought is, hey, bring in Vientos. Maybe you could platoon a little bit with Brett Beatty at third. Maybe you could take a little DH at bats away from Dan Vogelbach. Maybe you could play Mauricio at second base. Move Jeff McNeil to the outfield. And here we go in regards to this Mets team that's expected to win right now. Now, I don't have any issue with either one of these players coming in there and playing every day. But the way things are set up, the, the amount of players that are still there, even if you were to move on from a Dan Vogelbosch or, and or an Eduardo Escobar, like some fans want to see happen, are they going to get sufficient, consistent at-bats to be able to perform the way they are in AAA? If they're looking to take that next step And perform the way they're performing at AAA at the big league level, like they're clearly both ready for, is that the best situation for them? Here's what's better, in my opinion. You let these two guys play in AAA. The worst thing that could ever happen to the Mets is an injury to either Francisco Lindor or Pete Alonso. Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about big-time players on big teams getting hurt. Aaron Judge is out right now for the New York Yankees. So it's it's not impossible to think that one or both of these players could get hurt at a certain point over the course of this season. And if that happens, you have the perfect replacement. It's not like you're going to get somebody else some more at-bats than they would have gotten already. Vientos replacing Alonso for a couple weeks, and hopefully it wouldn't be that long, you you feel like you're not missing out on something. You have somebody that, that's been performing very high at a high level at AAA, isn't going to miss a beat. He's going to be playing just as much in the major leagues as he was in AAA. And the same thing for Mauricio at shortstop. They're both playing their primary positions, probably the positions that they feel the most comfortable at. And, you know, few teams can afford to lose their star players. And I think the Mets, because of these young players, Vientos and Mauricio, performing in AAA, I think they could afford it better than most. So now we jump into today's saving sports history on the second day of May, 2023. If you go back, one of the bigger underrated stars in the history of Major League Baseball had an impact on this day in 1876. Ross Barnes, who really was one of the best players, perhaps the best player, of the National Association, which lasted from 1871 to 1875, hit the first home run in the history of the National League. Um, the first Negro Leagues game, the Negro National League, started in 1920. First game was played on this day Um Now, what is significant about that is we obviously know, similar to the National League not being the first major league in baseball and it it being a matter of opinion. National Association existed five years before the NL. Some people only acknowledge the National League. They don't care about the National Association. The bottom line is that there was baseball played at that type of level before 1876. And the same thing I'm going to say about Negro Leagues baseball. We acknowledge the nineteen twenty as the starting of the Negro National League and the fact that it was prominent from nineteen twenty to nineteen forty seven into nineteen forty eight. But we understand that there was Negro Leagues baseball before that. There was Rube Foster before that. There was John Donaldson before that. There was great players that played the game at an elite level before nineteen twenty. But congratulations to nineteen twenty. We were the first game in the history of the Negro National League Considered by many, the first game in Negro baseball history was played on this day. 1923, Walter Johnson threw his 100th shutout. Um, One of the greatest pitchers of all time. Not too many pitchers could ever have 100 shutouts, if I'm not mistaken. Um, As I'm talking, I'm going to try to pull up uh, Walter Johnson 100 shutouts would bet you that he might be the only one to have that many. Now, as we continue to move on, 1949, Don Newcomb made his Major League Baseball debut. His first start was a complete game, 5 hits shutout against the Cincinnati Reds in a game they won by the score of 3 to nothing. On this day in 1967, Stanley Cup Finals, the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Montreal Canadiens in six games, four games to two. Uh, a year later, on the second day of May, in the NBA Finals, the Boston Celtics beat the Los Angeles Lakers in six games to win the NBA championship. In 1978, the NFL Draft commenced. And the Houston Oilers took a running back by the name of Earl Campbell, who would run rampant through the sport for a series of years. One of the greatest running backs in the history of baseball. I'm sorry, of football. And I say baseball because I just pulled up Walter Johnson. 110 shutouts in his Major League career. Nobody else in the history of baseball had 100 shutouts. Pete Alexander had 90, Christy Mathewson had 79, Cy Young had 76, Eddie Plank had 69, Warren Spahn, really the closest contemporary in regards to complete game shutouts, 63. Nolan Ryan and Tom Seaver both had 61. Now, if you look at the shutout as it happens in baseball, we obviously look at it as one pitcher Going nine innings, there's been a monkey wrench thrown into the mix as pitchers just don't go very deep into games. And I think it's time that you look back and, at, at somebody like the big train, somebody like Pete Alexander, somebody like Christy Mathewson, and really marvel in their dominance over a, a short period of baseball history. Now, birthdays on his day. Um... If you look at it, oh, actually, John Elway retired also on his day in 1999. Um, Significant. He won his second consecutive Super Bowl. And a lot of people look at John Elway, maybe up to those last Super Bowls, as not being an elite all-time great quarterback. He certainly marked his way into the top 10 with those last two Super Bowl victories. On his day in 2015, Floyd Mayweather beat Manny Pacquiao in a unification uh, uh, title match. What stands out about this, the highest grossing boxing match in the history of the sport. They both made a ton of money. Um, A lot of people really went out of their way to want to see it. One of the most viewed boxing fights in the history of the sport. And Mayweather obviously came ahead. Um, Eddie Collins was born on May 2nd, 1887, Baseball Hall of Famer, one of the greatest second basemen in the history of the sport. He is known by some as being part of the Black Sox scandal, one of the players that maybe uh, drew some ire from some of their teammates, was not one of the ones that was involved in the fix. And it was part of a little bit of a divide between the players that were compensated and the players that weren't compensated. Remember, Eddie Collins came over from the Philadelphia Athletics, where he won three World Series championships in 1910, 11, and 13. Connie Mack didn't want to pay his players; couldn't wait to move the best players out. Eddie Collins gets at that time becomes one of the higher-paid players for the Chicago White Sox, and the players that aren't making money are jealous. And this is one of maybe him and Ray Schalk and a little bit of uh, uh, Red Faber. They're kind of looked at differently than the other players on that team. The divide exists, the fix of the World Series, the whole thing. The rest is history. Other players born on this day. David Beckham was born on this day in 1975. Kyle Busch, a NASCAR star, was born on this day in 1985. Um, Two years earlier, we lost. Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback Norm Van Brocklin. 2009, Jack Kemp, a very suitable and consistent quarterback over the series of years, most notably with the Buffalo Bills, died on this day in 2009. Of course, he would end up uh, running for uh, what vice president, ended up being in politics for a long time. Um, sad day on 2012, we lost Junior Seau, and obviously he died because through suicide, um, obviously head injuries and concussions, and the the violence that's involved in pro football, really um, you know started to hit home when you you find out that players that you know seemed like they were so happy playing, and once they suffered those bruises, the shots to the head became too much for them to even live anymore. And, uh, you know, as you've seen, the NFL has done a better job over the last series of years of trying to take care of its player, not only the players of the current time, but also the players of the past. And just today marks just such a sad day when you realize a player of Junior Seau's ability, you know, couldn't go on to live anymore because of the repeated blows to his head from playing football. We also lost Red Kelly on this day. In 2019, former uh, Toronto Maple Leaf star and Hall of Famer. And then Bobby Unser, uh, the brother of Al Unser Sr., and obviously the uncle of Al Unser Jr died on this day in 2021 this is the past ball show brought to you by johnpla.com by st i church in jackson new jersey by two ways one passion food truck located in scranton pennsylvania if you're interested in hearing me flap my yacht mouth you could listen to the podcast on spotify apple music amazon music any way you get your podcast we'll be back with you soon god bless you and as always i'll see you on the other side chris brian was on the chicago cubs roster opening day
0: any leather-bound books, my apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the friggin' World Series? I was gonna listen to that, but then I just carried on it in one month. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone
1: work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either gonna hit a home run... Well, I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that
0: I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude. There a dude. disguised as another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. Mm. What side of the spectrum are on? Were they pitching, were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind
1: somebody's head, absolutely one hundred percent, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at him.
0: Put their tail between their legs. Decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. (laughs) You're damn well right. Better give him a contract extension. You're damn well right. Better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.